This is a Soulfire production. I am talking about genuine peace, not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. People have got to know whether or not their presidents are corrupt. You fool me, we can't get fooled again. I was a businessman doing business. By the military-industrial complex. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. Yes, we can. Thank you. We as a people will get to the promised land. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Politically Homeless. Whoa, that was a weird night. That was a strange time. (laughs) It's funny because every now and then, Every now and then we have something happen in the world that reminds people that I am not a conservative. <laughs> I have some conservative ideas from time to time. And sometimes I think uh, their solutions, as much as I hate to say it, are the better ones for the circumstance. I can be objective, relatively objective in that way. Uh, but the idea of a unrestricted, unembashed, just kind of, Red Wave did not sit well with me. I wasn't excited about that at all. So now while I did want the Democrats to lose control, which is what it seems to have happened here, uh, at least in some in some form or fashion, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's not by a ton, right? There's no super majorities. It's, it's weird. And it's, we're in this, I was watching Sagar and Crystal, which when it comes to the rest of the world and what the, or what the rest of the world, the rest of the country and what they're thinking and how they're viewing this, um, I actually feel like Sagar and Crystal do a pretty poor job. Um, the way they talk about Trump is through, at the end of the day, Sagar and Crystal, as much as I love them and Breaking Points is my go-to spot um, to get the news that that I need and don't, you know, really want to search out myself, Right can't care about everything and they do a good job of breaking things down with their team, but they still live in DC and they still have a DC filter and it is what it is. I don't think it's bad. I get the perspective from them. And then I look at things when they talk about Trump and the perception of him and MAGAism in general, I feel like they, they, when I, even when I listen to them, I'm like, you're a guy, you guys are missing the point here. And actually these midterms, I thought there was going to be a bigger red wave for sure. We have like a little red trickle here. Um, but <laughs> these midterms say a lot. Of, they, they kind of confer, confirm some suspicions I have having close relationships with my family and things like that with people who were Trump voters. Like your normal, everyday Trump voter, not your MAGA stop to steal people, but like your Trump voters are tired of it. And I, and I, those are my family. Those are my friends from home. Those are people that I'm around all the time. Uh, those are people I hunt with, right? And you would be really actually surprised at how diverse politically the hunting community is, especially the archery uh, bow hunting community is. Really, really interesting. But I digress. They're exhausted of it. And they want something that's like, it's 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 exhausting. It's, that's, that's the one word I can use to sum up Trump and Trumpism, MAGA, stop to steal this whole thing. It's just, it's exhausting. You know, we can only do the thing for so long. And it seems like it's run out of steam here. It's really interesting. So the way we're going to break this down, I've been trying to figure out and get prepared for this this morning. Let's just be real. I'm not. I'm trying to, it's, there's no way to be prepared, but it's just, we're just going to go into it, right? So we're going to break down to some initial thoughts on all the races. And then I really thought that there were three things that were, that could really stood out. One, 
what's the MAGA situation? Um, two, abortion rights and where those ended up, because that, that was a huge part of this. It's pretty clear that was a bigger part of it than I thought it was going to be. I was wrong about that for sure. And then um, drugs and psychedelics. And then we're going to talk about, and something to think about, we're going to talk about uh, politicians and being hopefully supportive and critically hopeful. So yeah, this is, this is a weird time. So if we break it down race by race, before we even get into the state of things here, let's, um, let's start here. Oz and Fetterman. Oz and Fetterman, a super, super tight race. We're looking at Fetterman here with 2,634,000 votes and change. Dr. Mehmet Oz, 2.4 million. 566,000, something like that. We're in that range, so it's pretty close there, but 50.5% to 47.1%. Fetterman breaks the 50% threshold to win. Now, Fetterman had his stroke. Now, people say Fetterman's a radical, he's brain dead, he's, you know, yada, yada, yada. It seems like people who have strokes generally recover cognitively for the most part, except for verbal, maybe, um, some like uh, proprioceptive issues, things like that. Here's the thing about Fetterman that that just put it in a situation where if you were mad about Fetterman, if you're mad about Fetterman winning the election, right, over Dr. Oz, there's one person to blame for that, and his name is Donald J. Trump, okay? I forget the other guy's name that was going to run, um, that was also ran in the primary against Oz. Trump endorsed Oz because he thought Oz could win because ladies who watch daytime TV like Dr. Oz. That was Trump's rationale. We all know that Trump is retarded. We understand this as a community, generally speaking. Whether you like him or not, the dude's a fucking idiot. And that was a dumb, dumb decision. And that wasn't the case. I really, I, I wish I had that information here with me. But if that wasn't the case, then, Doc, then Fetterman would have lost. If you would have had a normal, not stop the steal, not MAGA, Republican in Pennsylvania, right? A DeSantis, Kemp um, type, palatable Republican, conservative, actual conservative in Pennsylvania, then Fetterman would have lost. But what you had was somebody who doesn't live in Pennsylvania, doesn't know shit about Pennsylvania, that does ads about fucking crudite, right? Who is dripping in Gucci every time he walks around somewhere who cannot even try to make himself relatable. At least Trump somehow made himself relatable to working class people, even though he's never met one. Dr. Ross can't even try. And your, and, and your opponent is someone who was the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, who knows Pennsylvania, who was a big supporter of, the, of Bernie Sanders, right? So he has some of that energy from the working class. And of course, that person is going to have a chance. And in this case, it shows that they won because Pennsylvanians aren't stupid. Like Dr. Oz, and I say that about Dr. Oz, and I, I just want to tell a story. Just I, I talked on Instagram about this, but I actually ran into Dr. Oz on Abbott Kinney um, in L.A. when I lived out there. And I was walking down the street, and I was getting a coffee or something. I don't know. One of those things you do on Abbott Kinney on a you know random day. Um and I was walking and this guy walks towards me and I'm like, God, that guy looks like a douchebag. And it just like ran through my mind. And then as he got closer, it was just like Gucci shirt, Gucci sunglasses, but like tacky, like tacky looking. And it was Dr. Oz. And I'm like, wow, that guy just like, 
before I even knew that it was Dr. Oz, I was like, oh, that guy is like a lot. You know what I mean? And so from then, I've always seen him through that lens since then. This, that was a few years ago. And I've seen him through that lens, and I'm like, when, I, when he started running, I'm like, this guy doesn't know how to be relatable. Like, this guy, he walks around in, in one of the douchiest environments on the planet, right? Abbott Kinney in L.A. is one of the douchiest environments that exists on the planet, right? And even in that, in that environment, a douchebag like me, is dwarfed by the douchiness that exudes from Dr. Ross. And no one can expect that guy to win an election in Pennsylvania, dude. It's in the Rust Belt. I just don't understand. So it's like there's one person to blame for Fetterman being in the Senate, and that is Donald J. Trump. I will also say that it's very likely that a Republican could have won the governor's seat in Pennsylvania, but it was Mastriano, who is a stop-the-steal advocate. <laughs> so we're seeing where this is landing, right? And not by, not, it wasn't even close. 55.8% from Shapiro to 42.4%. Not even close. So we're seeing a referendum on Trump here. And, and you're going to see that theme throughout the day. Now we've got Kerry Lake over in Arizona is down a little bit. Carrie Lake is down a little bit right now. They said it could take till Friday. I don't know what the fuck's going on in Arizona where they can't count these votes. The thing about the vote counting that's really a trip to me is like it's Republican state legislatures that don't allow the elections, the election electoral body to count the early and mail-in ballots before election day. So like you see that kind of blue wave on the back end, which causes a lot of skepticism which is unhealthy because of Republican legislatures, which I think they actually want that because they want Republicans and Democrat want to undermine elections because that helps them avoid responsibility for failure. And they love avoiding responsibility for failure, right? See somebody, have you heard anybody take credit for, for endorsing the Iraq war? Anybody? I think somebody on Fox news did it, but that was it. One person, right? Like they don't ever want to take actually responsibility for their fucking idiocy. Same thing. COVID is anybody going to take responsibility for the mistakes there that like pushed them hard? No, they want amnesty, right? So it's like the political parties need to be able to undermine election results on either side because it helps them avoid responsibility. So I think Carrie Lake will probably pull this off. Maybe not. Huge surprise there. And if that's the case, in Maricopa County, there was voting machines shut down for a little while. I think it all. At this point, where we're at with it now, with the Maricopa County stuff, with the, the the how long it takes, like they've got to figure something out, and also just know that any information you get will be either downplaying the significance of polling stations being shut down, or overplaying their hand when it comes to polling stations being shut down. Like it's going to be, it's culture war now. So good luck getting any accurate information on what actually happened. Uh, because it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's this confirmation bias soup here, but we've got Carrie Lake. They say Ben Masters has a chance. Uh, I don't see that. I mean, he's got a long way to come up. So moving on, uh, let's see here. Who else we got? Oh, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker going to runoff. And that was really close. So 14, 49.2% for Warnock, 487 for Walker. Now, that's only a difference of, what is that, twenty around 20,000 votes. And then you have the Libertarian here, Chase Oliver, with 2.1% or 81,000 votes. Depending on where those 81,000 votes go, consuming the exact same voter turnout in the runoff, 
Herschel Walker could win that race. It's, I mean, if you think about most libertarians being relatively right-leaning, but Her- Herschel Walker is just an atrocious, just a terrible candidate. Like, candidate quality on the Republican side, the bar was so low, and the candidate quality is just is just absurd. It's, a, it's abysmal. Like, the reason that we're here is, one, like, they let Trump run a lot of these tickets, but the Trump-run tickets have done terrible. Like, just awful. And his endorsements got you through a primary, but they didn't get you through a general. And it's, you know, I, and Raphael Warnock, right? Like he's, I watched him debate, um, oh, I forget his name. But anyways, this guy can move to the left and the right of, of, of a conservative. It was really interesting to watch him do that when it came to abortion, when it came to um, individual rights. It was, I think he's a skilled politician. Now, I don't agree with everything he has to say, nor do I agree with everything anybody has to say, but he's a legitimate, he's a pastor, right? So he has that resonance with the, with the religious black community in many ways and the religious community as a whole. And then you've got Herschel Walker who's talking about family values, but his son, his gay son is losing his mind. Who's like a a conservative commentator and, and, and yelling about his dad being a piece of shit, right? He's paid for a handful of abortions while he's also talking about fathers not being in the home while he wasn't in the home for really any of his kids being raised. Right, so you get this, this, and then you have these kind of pro-life advocates saying, "Well, we don't really care what he did. He can be a hypocrite all he wants. We just want the vote in the Senate, and that's just terrible. That's that's, that's it's 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 gross. And if you, I mean, the what the Democrats do is disgusting as well. Let's not get don't get me twisted, but like, can, is anybody hear that and go like, yeah, you know what? I support that. Like, no one's fucking thinking that way. No one feels that way. It's 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 disgusting. So it's like, what are we doing here? You know, what are we really doing here? And it's, it makes sense it's going to run off. I wish it would have been ended. I don't want Herschel Walker representing any state in the union here. Like, this is just, we're better than this as a culture, I, I, would, I would assume. I think Georgia's a better state than Herschel Walker. You know, while he may need to have his number retired and, and be on the Hall of Fame somewhere of something, or several things, college and football and the NFL, He's not a he's not he's not built for public service. And his CTE is a problem, right? Now the difference between CTE and a stroke is CTE you can go one direction. A stroke you can recover from. But I even get myself tripped out about CTE because of the amount of football I played. And Herschel Walker got hit a lot more times and a lot harder than I did. So moving on, let's talk about Beto in Texas real quick. So uh let's see. Greg Abbott got Let's see where were totals at. Here we go. Um, Fifty-four point eight percent of the vote. He be, vote he beat Beto O'Rourke by almost eleven points. Was anybody surprised? I mean, I see people were like, "Yeah, cheering this on." It's like, is anybody surprised? Beto O'Rourke when he said, "Hell yes, we're coming for your AR-15s." I t- turned to my wife, then girlfriend, turned to my wife, and I said, "I just watched somebody's political career die." As soon as it happened, <laughs> I was like, and he's done forever. And she was like, she reminds me that every time his name comes up, he's like, oh yeah, that's the guy whose political career you saw die. Uh, and we all did in real time. That was embarrassing. So it's like Beto can talk and talk and talk. Now, what I wanted to show here though, that was kind of interesting is being a Texan, you can see, I want to, I can't find my County, Jack, young County, O'Rourke got. 627 votes. God damn it. That's hilarious. Beto got 627 votes in my home county. That's hilarious. I wonder I, I wonder who those people were. I would that cracks me up. Okay, but anyways, we got 
El Paso County went for Beto. Um, Dallas County, Travis County, there's Austin and Hayes County as well. Bear County, Maverick, Zalata, Dimmit, Webb County, Duval, Jim Hogg County, Brooks County, Star County, Cameron, Willisey, Harris, and uh, Fort Bend. That's both. Those are both over in Houston. So you're seeing your major um, hubs here now. Dallas, yeah, Dallas going blue kind of it doesn't really surprise me. It was relatively close. Um, Fort Worth though, red as fuck. Fort Worth and Weatherford over there. For my North Texas homies. Yeah, but what we're seeing here is this kind of Rio Grande Valley area is blue again, which we saw in 2020 with Trump. A lot of that has swung red. So Beto did have some support. I mean, obviously in El Paso, that's where he's from. But yeah, I mean, not a terrible turnout, but that's where he's going to be. When he ran against Ted Cruz, he had a lot of energy. And I actually was a Beto fan at that time, um, which is more of a residual lingering of my, my Bernie Sanders support. But when you look at this, I mean, it's not a bad turnout for a Democrat in Texas. Now, Texas is not going to turn blue because a lot there is more split among, among the Hispanic community than there used to be. It used to be a very reliable, not long ago, um, Democratic voting base. And now that's just not really the case. But regardless, um, interesting stuff here. Really interesting stuff. So Beto O'Rourke goes down. Greg Abbott remains the Texas governor. One thing I wanted to bring up here. Let's see. Uh, next. Yeah. Lauren Boebert is looking to lose. Let me see if I can find her on here. Oh, yeah. Here we go. 81.26% reporting. Adam Frisk in the on the western slope of Colorado. At 149, 421 with Lauren Bobert at 145, 946. So we've got about a 4,000, a little less than 4,000, 3,500 vote difference there between the Democrat in a very, very red part of Colorado and Lauren Bobert wannabe Sarah Palin. But that's where we're at. So it's watching Lauren Bobert go down is a referendum on. The MAGA world. Now, will she call voter fraud? I'm sure she will. I am sure she will, but that's pretty fucking interesting to me. I did not see that coming. I mean, she won that seat outright as a business owner, a pro-Second Amendment business owner, the whole thing. She won that primary. She won that seat, and it wasn't even fucking close. And here we are now, and it's looking like she might lose to a Democrat on the in Grand Junction, Colorado. Insane. Absolutely insane. Now, the, the the least surprising result from last night was Ron DeSantis absolutely destroying it in Florida. Now, people like, you know, you see the Charlie Kirks or whatever on Twitter. They're like, yeah, Florida's a red state now, hardcore red state. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that Florida is a Ron DeSantis state but i think when it comes to a general presidential election it could be up for grabs i really do i think that desantis is because of the way he handled covid now the rest and and, be, and because the liberal media if you want to call it that made him a villain he has more support because desantis was made a villain and handled it well 
right? Here's the thing. They made Trump a villain too. And Trump sometimes handled it well. And sometimes Trump absolutely fucking blew it. But DeSantis kind of acted like an adult. Kind of. He was a little bit petty and childish every now and then. But he didn't exude petty childishness all the time. And I thought that was really impressive uh, of him and how he handled that because they were coming at him hard. You know, I get petty and childish. You guys see me on Instagram. I turn into a fucking child sometimes. I get it. As a politician, I'd probably do it just as much. Can you imagine me uh, as a, you know, I probably, if I ever run, I probably, I don't know if I'd run it as a Democrat or a Republican, but I can go either way, which is fun. I can just, whichever one is most likely to win, I'll just run there, right? Because I don't really give a shit because I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, um, a party standout regardless of which side I'm on. I have, that's kind of fun. Actually, I'd rather run it as an independent, but that just makes it so much, so much harder. But, um, when you think about that, it's okay. What would I do in that situation? It's really hard not to either go down the rabbit hole and get super entrenched and defensive and all that shit and just stand your ground unwavering and just do your thing. Do what you think is best. Do what you think is best. And we have not had that in the white house since Obama, really. I mean, Obama was, see, remember when Obama would talk a little bit of shit and he'd give you that little smirk, that little Obama smirk? Let's find a little gif of that, though, that little Obama smirk, smirk, right? And, um, you know what I'm talking about, when he was a little, being a little cheeky cunt, right? I love being cheeky. Obama could do that, and I think DeSantis can also do that in its own, his own way, you know? I very much can see DeSantis being that charismatic figure in the Republican Party in the same way that Obama was in the Democratic Party. And I think the funny thing is because the bar is set so low after George W. Bush, the bar was so low that like we just we wanted this like compassionate figure. He flipped a lot of states and mixed the I mean, really chaos ensued with the states that he was able to flip. I mean, Ohio, Florida, like these, these, these red states. I mean, it was overwhelming when he did win. And I think we may see a similar environment with DeSantis as far as him flipping states that you didn't think. Like, I think DeSantis would win Colorado. I really do. I, 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 think there are, I think almost every single purple state would go for DeSantis if it was against Kamala or Biden or Pete Buttigieg. I mean, or Beto O'Rourke. Like any of these people that like want to run again who were all just like poor copies of Obama, they can't run against genuine support. Like they're just going to get their asses handed to them. And so what this is, when we look at this whole scheme here, this whole breakdown, DeSantis winning by over 19 points in Florida. And Trump-backed candidates getting either barely winning, right? We have J.D. Vance who won in Ohio, right? J.D. Vance won in Ohio, but uh, that's a very red state, right? And he won by a significant margin, but it was it was like nine, I think nine points. I don't even have it up here, but it's like, that. that's not a surprise, right? But where there was a challenge, Republicans barely eked it out or failed to eke it out. But in Florida, Marco Rubio holds his seat by a huge margin, and DeSantis winning by 19 fucking points. And we're also noticing this, a lot of split-ticket voters, which I love. A lot of split tickets. And that wasn't supposed to be a thing anymore, but now you're seeing people getting more engaged in voting on the issues, right? And I think we're going to see more and more of that going into 2024, which is a threat to the establishment, which makes me rock fucking hard, baby. Let's go. I love it when the establishment is threatened. It makes me so fucking happy. So yeah, when we've got this, um, Oz Fetterman did the thing. Um, Carrie Lake, I think, might pull that off. 
We're still going to have a lot of news now. All the focus is going to be on the Georgia runoff. Beto, unsurprisingly, <laughs> loses in Texas. But the Rio Grande Valley, I mean, he did a, he he had a respectable turnout for Texas. Um, Lauren Boebert, looking like she's going to get upset on the Western Slope. DeSantis, just being DeSantis, and 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 it's his time, guys. He's got this. He's got the leverage now to actually go after Trump and finish this off. But will he do it? He's at the leverage. Does he have the balls? So what we're looking at now is about the Republicans will have about 220 seats in the House and a slight majority by one seat or a split in the Senate. We'll see. We'll know after that Georgia runoff whenever that goes down. So that's where we're at. That's race by race. So now let's get into the state of things. Whoa, that was loud. Let's get into the state of things. Talk about some broader concepts. Why did I lay the show out this way? It seemed like a good idea at the time. Either way, you guys know I'm keeping it real with you. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. Okay, okay. Let's let's get into this here a little bit. Um there are times you know, we'll, we'll, we'll skip that for now. The big question here is, the big question here is, in my mind, is MAGA dead? Is MAGAism, is Trumpism, the MAGA movement, the stop the steal, the election fraud fucks, is it finally dead? And when I look at it and think about it and feel through it with my soul and my heart and my brain, I think we're seeing it now. I think we're seeing this movement be hollowed out. Now, if we just look at the fucking numbers, right? If we say, hey, these elections, I don't like the way the election system is. It's a little funky. I don't love it. It could be better. It could be much better. And there's actually simple solutions that I think everybody would get behind, right? All that being said, if we look at the numbers, Trump backed Candidates, handpicked Trump candidates that did not exist outside the Trump, Trump ecosystem got beat. Lauren Boebert does not exist outside of the Trump ecosystem. J.D. Vance does and would have won anyways in Ohio. Right, Doug Mastriano doesn't exist. He has hitched his wagon to the Trump horse completely. And so many other politicians have as well. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene won, and I think she was always going to win. She could not really lose. But when we look even at Carrie Lake's race, who was kind of this shoe-in for people who were even projecting her to be Trump's vice presidential nominee, right? A running mate, excuse me. People were projecting Carrie Lake to be Trump's running mate even though that doesn't make a lot of sense because he needs a stop-the-steal governor in Arizona. But people were projecting that, right? She's barely going to eke out a victory if she even wins, which is crazy. So when what, we, what we're seeing here, and I'll say it again, if you hitched your wagon to the Trump-branded horse and that's all you have, you're on your last legs. 
you're not doing well. Now, if you're a candidate who supports maybe some of Trump's policies, Trump in general, but has a profile that exists outside of Trump and MAGA and stop this, the whole thing, right? If you have a profile that exists outside of that, you crushed. You absolutely crushed. We can use uh, Ryan Kemp and Ron DeSantis as examples of that here today, right? Because it was closer. I mean, Greg Abbott, while it was a large margin in Texas, was not nearly the margin you saw in Florida. And I think that's because, for one, Greg Abbott's heartbeat law when it comes to abortion is incredibly unpopular. A lot of my Republican Texan friends were upset about the way they were handling that, whereas DeSantis did the smart thing here. He moved within the Overton window of acceptability among the population, among the majority, right? With a 15-week ban, people can get behind that. Like, ah, either eh, it's a little bit short, it's a little bit long, but people, it's within that wiggle room of acceptability, right? Me, personally, I think it's something that should come from the federal level, and you have to have at least 10 weeks of access and no more than 15 and then carve out a different thing for chromosomal issues and health of the mother. Like that's a different conversation. If you're, while it may be technically elective and technically an abortion, if your child is, has some serious issues or the th- mother's life is threatened, I don't understand that those are technically abortions. They should be classified as a different thing. Right. And we need to have a very, uh, pragmatic argument around those things, but we're not adults here. So we don't get to do that. So when we're seeing these Republicans outside of the Trump ecosystem crush, we can see that what stopped the red wave, the levy that stopped the red flood, the red tsunami, the levy that stopped all of that was Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump, in his arrogance and miscalculations, has now cost the Republican Party numerous seats within Congress and governorships around the country. Now, if you want to zoom out and say, well, maybe my conspiracy mind says the Republicans don't really want that much power and that much leverage because they're actually gaining more political capital by being powerless and complaining all the time. Maybe. But at the end of the day, what it looks like is a huge disappointment for Republicans, and I think the reason is people are exhausted with Trump. And the the air is out of the MAGA balloon. So as we move over here, I want to. I, I was going to almost start with this, but there are times when Ben Shapiro's commentary, I feel, and this is rare, but I feel it actually speaks for the majority. Right? I don't think Ben's commentary generally. I think he speaks for kind of old school conservatism, which is a smaller and smaller group. With some resonance in newer conservatives. It's a, it's, he's got a weird audience, and, he, and, and I, I actually appreciate it because I, I do try to get a diverse like diet of media. But right here, I think what he's saying is absolutely spot on because here's the thing, and I want to be clear about this. As someone who's not a conservative, I like strong conservative candidates. I like strong liberal candidates, Right? I like strong Democrats. I like strong Republicans. I like people that are, you can tell when they speak, like Bernie Sanders, for example, that he's in touch with a movement with people with genuine 
issues and genuinely connects with people. I want that from politicians because I, because I think competition within elections is actually vitally important. So high quality candidates and candidate quality in general should be of utmost importance. But what we have is Democratic Party establishment backing the most ridiculous candidates from the conservative side because they want an easy win. And when I what I want is a politician to go into this like you would go into a, football, a fucking football game or a fight. Be like, you know what? Nobody wants to see an easy win. Right? If you have Khabib, Norman Khabedov, whatever the fuck you say his name, like, go beat the hell out of somebody who's not very good. Right? What does that say about the person? What does that say about Khabib? Does that say he's the best fighter in the world? But you put a number one versus number two and it goes five rounds and you get a winner out of that. Well, now you know. And that's what I want in our politics. I want five fucking rounds. I want candidates coming out of there feeling bloody and beat down and exhausted because they both got a chance because they can both win because they can, they can push each other on issues. And challenge each other's ideas. I want to see that. I don't like one party rule like fucking California. I don't like it. And you have other one party states like Ohio. Where you can't even get like welfare distributed appropriately. Because they're so so scared of giving out handouts. It's the weirdest fucking thing. It's like a complete nanny state on one side and then and then complete ineptitude on the other. It's just it makes it makes no sense. And if we had high quality candidates on both sides, that would be less of an issue in my opinion. But let's listen to what Ben has to say here. And uh something I think is incredibly potent. Potent, potent? Potent. Potent potables. As I say, if the Republican Party is looking for a model of governance going forward, if they're looking, how do we how do we win races? Baseline levels of competence and then engage in the culture war issues. Competence before culture war. Let's put that on the screen here. Competence before culture war. That is the takeaway. The culture war will not win you national elections or statewide elections oftentimes. Competence will win you elections consistently. Let's keep going. Not the other way around. And also, don't alienate everybody on Earth with claims that the vast majority of Americans do not actually believe. If you are going to spend your time as an elected representative trying to overturn the 2020 election, you are not a representative of your constituents. You're a representative of Donald J. Trump. And people don't really want that from the representative. They want to feel represented by the representative. But when Trump sucks out all the air in the room, and they and your and your constituents feel like you're representing him more than you're representing them because they're over the 2020 election, even though Trump will go to his grave thinking he won that damn thing. Well, then you got a fucking problem. Then you lose elections. Let's continue. You cannot make election 2020 the subject of your campaign in any major way in the United States and hope that things are going to turn out amazing unless your district is like a deep red district. That is one of the messages of this thing. And you can tell, by the way, that there were governors last night who didn't do that and who walked away absolutely clean. Yep. Who did great last night. Right? The, the big winners last night were all the people that were kind of at odds with President Trump. They were at odds with the Trumpification of the Republican Party, who were not the out-of-the-box candidates. Those people did a lot better last night than the generalized Republican Party. And the Democrats were running against the most perceived Trumpish candidates 
are the ones who actually ended up doing really well last night. Those Democrats ended up doing really well. What does that say? It says that the very first rule of politics, I say it all the time, if you wish to win, make it very hard to vote for your opponent, make it very easy to vote for you. The Republicans spent a lot of time this election cycle making it hard to vote for their opponent, and then they proceeded to nominate a bevy of candidates who made it very hard to vote for the Republican. And that has some downstream effects. Now, when you look to the gubernatorial races, what you can see is that when you make it easy to vote for your own candidate, then your candidates do really, really well. We'll get to more on this in just one moment first. And then we get an ad for gold or something. So thank you, Ben Shapiro. I could not agree more. You saw that. If you had, if you made it easy to vote for you, yeah. But if you're a hard pill to swallow, no. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's no one, everybody's tired of the fucking mess. And Trump is a MAGA. I mean, think about this. Can we go back for a second and just think about it, right? Let's like, let's go back to before the election, 2020 election, right? And people are like, I can't believe that, you know, you think really think Joe Biden got the most votes of any president? I do because people were motivated by Trump that much. Joe Biden didn't motivate anybody to vote. He was just a, a placeholder. His job was to not be alive and to calm everything down. Now, what he's done since then has been a fucking shit show. That being said, the motivation was Trump. The reason that there were so many Democrat votes in 2020 was because of Trump. He was handling himself like an asshole. I was so sick of his bullshit. He was making no sense. It was making COVID even more confusing. And while, while the, the fucking pharmaceutical industry that I despise was just raking in profits during this time, right? Warp speed, all this other bullshit. He was, he was articulating himself so poorly. He was giving the opposition to medical freedom all the ammunition fucking possible. And I was sick of it. And I thought that Democrats would, and a lot of people thought this way, right? A lot of people felt this way. Okay, Democrats are blowing, by the time this, the election was here, Democrats are blowing COVID out of proportion, right? Many people felt this way. But I thought that was their political strategy. Either they were going to, oh, we're going to blow this out of proportion, and then we're going to win the election, and then in two months we're going to be like, oh, we cured it, it's solved, and now we're into endemic stage, which we were already were at, right? We were there. I was wrong. I was very wrong. This is probably one of the worst calls I've ever had politically because it was a year and change later that they actually, but it's like they, they, made, they made the wrong decision. I, what I was talking about was the right move politically. What they were talking, what they ended up doing was moronic. It made no, it, 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 it defied all logic. And then I thought, you know, legalized marijuana, public option, these things that Biden ran on. I'm like, oh, well, we'll see. Because Trump, the things I liked about what Trump did, he didn't even run on those things. He ran on culture war bullshit. And it was, it was exhausting. So here we are. Right? So when we look at the whole thing, when we think about that, then we go into the election. Then we go into January 6th. Then we got Rudy Giuliani and um, what's-her-face, that lawyer in the release the Kraken. It was, Giuliani was at the Four Seasons landscaping play. Like, MAGA is a fucking mess, guys. You know, all this whole time, Jared Kushner, the whole time he was in the administration was just grifting so that he could go to Saudi Arabia and take a few billion dollars from them to go into his fucking fake investment, whatever. And it's like, what? And then, but the same people that ignore that are mad about Hunter Biden taking money from Burisma when I really think Jared Kushner's profited more than Hunter Biden has. And Jared Kushner wasn't a crackhead. He was actually in the administration pulling the fucking strings and then used the connections he made at that time Right While he's reading the daily presidential briefings, but guys, Jared Kushner read more presidential briefings than Donald Trump did. And people want that motherfucker to be president again and have Jared Kushner pulling the fucking strings again? Absolutely not. 
That dude used the connections he made and then went straight to Saudi Arabia and got fucking paid. And you guys are mad about Hunter Biden? Yeah, Hunter Biden's a fucking joke and corrupt and an addict and all these things. But at least I can blame his addiction for some of his poor choices. All I can see in, J- in Jared Kushner is, is, is malice and disgust. It's, people don't understand. I don't, it's not that hard to look at it and be like, yeah, that motherfucker lost, guys. And it's not that hard to look around now two years later and go, wow, that movement's really losing steam. You know, I mean, if we look back, think if we look back, like, take it, let's go a little further back, right? Let's think about um, maybe trends that we, that I as a millennial dealt with. Hacky sacks. Hacky sacks were a huge deal for a while, right? And it was all the thing. And you could hacky and how many could you go and do the thing? And like, how many times could you kick it on your foot without, without dropping it down? And could you do the behind the back thing and doing tricks? That, yo-yos, pogs, gigapets. All of these were trends that we had growing up, right? If you're my age, where are they at now? Trumpism, Trump is pogs. It was the coolest fucking thing ever for childish idiots who wanted to slam things and knock things over and take people's shit, right? But you grow out of it. And hopefully as a nation, we're beyond pogs and gigapets. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about it, but I don't know. I don't know, but we will say this. We got this right here from Trump, um, and Shapiro actually tweeted this. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, it's his friend. I have an exciting announcement I can't wait to share with you on November 15th. I'm going to announce something huge at Mar-a-Lago, and I want you to be there. This announcement will perhaps be the most important speech given in the history of the United States of America, and you could be there with me, friend. <laughs> All you have to do is contribute five dollars or more, and you'll automatically be entered to this ver- to be the very first person to meet me in Mar-a-Lago after my big announcement. All caps. This offer is exclusive to my most loyal supporters like you. So don't share this with anyone else. <laughs> the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club, right? I'm gonna go ahead and take a screenshot of that uh, and put that on Instagram later. Okay, that's fun stuff. Good times. All right. Anyways, so that's where Trump's at. Huge announcement coming up on November 15th. And you can meet him. You can be there to meet him. Friend. It might, this is my favorite line, though. This announcement will, announcement will perhaps be the most important speech given in the history of the United States. And you should be there with me, friend. <laughs> Donald fucking Trump, guys. Oh, man. Yeah. Actually, this episode, this episode is going to upset some people, but it is what it is. You know, I'm not a partisan hack, that's to be sure. And um, I'm sure as fuck not a conservative either. But, yeah, let's move on a little bit. What are we going to talk about next? Um, some smorsions. I'll tell you right now, I just finished a chocolate mint element while I was doing this show. I'm actually at, this is the end of the show right now. Um, the show is over for me. For you, you're probably in the middle of it. I think I'm probably just getting into the second of three segments. But for me, the show is un- done. Now I'm reading this ad, right? And when I say reading this ad, I'm just making this up as I go along. I really, though, just finished a warm Yeti full of 
chocolate mint element because the weather's changed a little bit here. It's got a little cooler. I'm starting to really feel that, right? Get the heater in my office going. We're, we're getting there. And I love hot chocolate. I know a lot of us love hot chocolate. Even with the holidays coming up, hot chocolate's going to be a part of your winter, and it should. But sugar and whatever other bullshit they put in that hot chocolate should not be a part of your winter time. We're coming up on a new year, okay? Do you want to go into that new year feeling soft and gross? Or do you want to go in there feeling like you've done, done the right thing, right? But then again, you don't want to be that person who's like, no, I don't want to ever drink hot chocolate because I'm so whatever, whatever, right? And everybody's like, oh, boo. You know, you don't want that. That's not what anybody's looking for. So what you can do is take chocolate element. They've got chocolate caramel coming out at the end of the month. They've got char- chocolate um, mint and just plain chocolate. You mix that with hot water. And if you want a little bit of a hack, steam a little bit of heavy cream and put it in there, right? Because we know that sugar's out. Fat is in, baby, right? What I did was I, I frothed up in a little milk frother some raw milk, did about two-thirds of the Yeti full of water with the element in there, and then dropped that foamy raw milk on top. And I'll tell you right now, that, was, that got me through the show. My throat feels great. I feel hydrated because salt and magnesium, baby, those electrolytes you need to keep going. And it was fucking delicious. And, I'm not, and there's no sugar in there, not one little bit. Not one little bit. And you can have it too. You can liven up your holidays with chocolate element, a variety of flavors, a cornucopia of flavors, if you will. Now, of course, they've got the watermelon, they've got the grapefruit, they've got the citrus, all the things that we, we know and love. But right now, we're talking about that wintertime goodness. So what you can do is go to drinkelement.com slash wanders. You're going to get your order, whatever you want. Go through there. It gets you some chocolate mint. I love that stuff. If you're into that, if you just like chocolate, that's great too. Chocolate caramel coming up pretty soon, right? Whatever you order, you're going to get a free variety pack with that order by going to the link drinkelement.com slash wanders. It's in the show notes. It's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders. Do yourself a favor. Get ready. Give it to your kids. Give it to your wife. Whole town's going crazy. Drinkelement.com slash wanders. Chocolate, chocolate, fucking chocolate. I cannot, I cannot support this message enough. <laughs> this shit is so goddamn good. It makes no sense. Uh, I'm losing my damn mind. All right, y'all. Let's get back to the show. Get yourself chocolate. Drinkelement.com slash wanders. Link is in the show notes. All right, so we had abortions on the ballot. And I wanted to play this for you or show this to you guys. This is really, I found this really, really interesting. Um, abortion was on the ballot in a few different states. And, you know, the, the Democrats went really hard on, on abortion in their campaigning and their ads and the way they articulated themselves in this whole process. Um, and I thought that was stupid. I thought that was a mistake. I thought they should have been talking about the economy, the economy. Here's what our plan is. Here's what we've done. Here's where we're going. Here's, you know, the long-term effects of the, all that stuff. But that's not what happened. And then we see this, and, and for the pro-lifers out there, right, like the, the anti-abortion folks, I know some of you guys follow me. I know there's going to be comments on this video, and I'm not really trying to debate you. I'm not. It's a waste of my time. I don't care. What I think is and what I feel is, and this is all you got, you need to, if you're, when we talk about abortion, everybody needs to be comfortable with this one thing. Your decision is based on your beliefs, and that's it. 
Not facts, not reality, not consciousness, not life. It's based on your beliefs. Okay? Everybody needs to be honest about that. We can have a conversation about when a heart starts beating, when consciousness exists. Like these are these are these are really important. I don't think about a heartbeat as life. I think about consciousness as life. That's the way I see it. I think of more of if you want to talk about consciousness or a soul, those are kind of interchangeable, just like God and the universe are interchangeable, unless you're get upset about that. In that case, in your life, it's not interchangeable, but for everybody else it is. Um, it's based on your beliefs. And the belief that life starts at conception is insanely unpopular. The belief that life starts with a, with a, with a fetal heartbeat or whatever is, is wildly unpopular. And the way that pro-lifers or anti-abortion folks articulate themselves is if it's, if they talk about this, this baby as if, you know those little like dinosaurs you drop into water and they get bigger? Like it's a little bitty dinosaur and you drop it in water and it absorbs and gets bigger? That's what people, they, how they talk about pregnancy as if that's how it goes, right? It's like, okay, you bust a nut up in there, your sperm swims, egg, and then all of a sudden, boop, it's a, ba- it's a, it's a baby, but it's like this big. It's, like a, it's a microscopic, fully formed baby who's just tiny, right? And then it grows, but it's fully formed this whole time. That's how they articulate it, which is the dumbest shit I've ever seen, right? And when we think about life and consciousness, I'm like, well, the way that I see it and the way that most people see it is like there's a difference between stopping something from happening, right? Stopping a life from existing and killing someone, right? That's, those are two separate things. If I distract you, right, as you're walking to your car and it takes you five or six seconds, right? Maybe I wave at you or something like that. And then because you left five seconds later, you end up getting T-boned by a semi-truck that you wouldn't have gotten T-boned by, right? If I wouldn't have distracted you for that five seconds, I didn't kill you, right? Shit just kind of happened the way it happened. So stopping something from happening (laughs) is different than if I was to run you over with my car. Those are different things, right? Think about that. I know that's a lot. Think about it, right? Stopping something, and this is where I think most people fall in the United States. Stopping something from happening isn't the same as killing a baby. That being said, another majority position that I hold, that many people hold, that the another majority position, right, is that at some point in that pregnancy, it turns from stopping something from happening to killing a baby, right? <laughs> like it's a certain point where that happens. So let's find out what that point is, right? Being generous to the pro-life folks because they have a sway. They have an opinion here too that matters. You matter, guys. And let's find that line and work within those bounds, right? So my position is every state should be required to give up to 10 weeks. To get to, excuse me, a minimum of 10 weeks of, of elective abortion service and no state can go further than 15 weeks with elective abortion service. And also, pregnancy tests are fucking free. They're free. They're free everywhere, right? If you're pro-life, that should be good for you, right? You know, people won't know they're pregnant. They can get services earlier. They can come find you, and you can talk them into having a baby earlier if you want to do that, right? If, it's, uh, if you're a pro-choice advocate, you're like, yeah, well, that makes sure that people have access within, t- within time, right? Pregnancy tests are just in women's bathrooms. They're just fucking free. There's everywhere. They're fucking cheap. How much do they cost? 25 cents? They're free. Okay, cool. They're everywhere. Easy. We're done. We're done with this conversation. 
But that's not ever going to happen because the people that are on this photo right here are believe that life begins when you think about having a child. And the other people think that you should be able to take a newborn baby and bash it over the head with a baseball bat. So we're dealing with the extremes on either end, making decisions for everybody. But when you do get a ballot initiative on abortion, here's what happens. Abortions in, by the way, I pulled this from the Catholic News Agency. <laughs> the abortions in 2022 midterms. How did the states vote? I thought you guys could get a kick out of this. This is from uh, Katie Yoder. Um... Ballot initiatives to protect and expand abortion passed across the nation on Election Day. Americans in five states voted on the issue of abortion during the 2022 midterm elections. Three states, California, Michigan, and Vermont, proposed constitutional amendments to advance abortion. All three passed. At the same time, citizens in Kentucky weighed a pro-life amendment, and Montana voters considered a measure that promises to protect babies who are born alive after attempted abortions. Kentucky voted no to its pro-life measurement. Montana results are still coming in with a current majority voting no. Stephen Billy, who serves as vice president of the of State of Affairs at the national pro-life group SBA Pro-Life America, early Wednesday morning stressed that life is still winning. So you guys just heard what I fucking read, right? Like a landslide. Not one of these things went pro-lifers way. And Stephen Billy, which is a strange two-first-name situation, um, believes that pro-life is still winning, that that's still the majority position. And when you hear pro-lifers talk about this, it's this craziest thing because they always say that. They can lose 99% to 1% and still be like, well, we have a winning issue here. They're fucking delusional. It's out there out of their goddamn minds. It's insane. And this is a quote from old Stephen Billy. Says, anyone arguing abortion is a winning is is winning is missing what happened tonight. Anyone arguing abortion is winning is missing what happened tonight. He told CNA, we had strong pro life candidates at the federal and state level win because they seized on life as a winning issue and exposed the extreme taxpayer funded abortion until birth policy of their opponents. That is a straw man, and also completely false. Pro-life candidates won in spite of their views on abortion. But based on what we saw last night, that is so far from reality. Says goes on to say, we know life is a winning issue. We know how to win on life. And we know the American people reject the extreme policy of Planned Parenthood and their candidates. Americans reject your policy as well, Steve. Come on, dude. He added, going forward, we have to do better at using our winning strategy and using it to fight back against the millions of dollars big abortion puts into ballots initiatives and causes confusion and hide to hide their extreme policy. It can't be about the fact that people just don't agree with you. It has to be about Planned Parenthood manipulating people. How is that different from Democrats being like, well, people are voting outside of their own self-interest and don't really know what's best for them? It's the same fucking thing, and it's cunty on both sides. It doesn't make any sense. When the voters see the abortion industry pushing abortion on demand, they reject it. And if we focus on exposing that extreme policy, we will win. Well, I think, I think people here, the abortion argument is very much like climate change. And it's very poorly articulated. The, the anti-abortion argument. It's so poorly articulated because you, they don't pick a fight, right? Think about climate change. It's so broad. It's so obtuse, right? It's hard to see. It's hard to feel. Because it's so big. You miss the trees for the forest, right? It's backwards. Where if you want to actually make change, you focus on specific things. 
that are popular, right? Cleaning up plastic pollution, plastic regulation. Those would be hugely popular. When you talk about climate change, it, 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 becomes, it becomes obscure, convoluted. You got to stay specific, right? Talk about vehicle emissions and air quality. People are very for air quality air and quality water and decreased pollution. These are things that people are for, right? When you're talking about turning every square foot of free open land into a fucking solar farm, people are like, well, that's, well, hang on. You got to have these conversations in, in stride. And the abortion folks don't do a good job of that at all. They look at this and they think, abortion's on demand. Well, you should be able to get an abortion on demand for a certain amount of time, right? That's kind of, you don't want to push off an abortion. You want an abortion when you decide to get it, right? The most inhumane thing to do if you're going to get an abortion is procrastinate. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's one part of your life where you're like, hey, I'm making this decision. Maybe it takes you a few days or a week to make that decision. But once you make that decision, you go do the thing. You don't push that off, right? Like, oh, give it a month and feel it out. No. It's fuck, that's fucked up. You make the decision and you go. So instead of having a nuanced conversation around, okay, we need to get rid of Third trimester elective abortions. Those need to be illegal. And you bring out, here's the number of third trimester elective abortions, which is very, very small. Very small and also very uncomfortable for people to know that aren't about health of the mother, um, developmental issues in the baby, none of these things, right? They're just basically, you know, somebody's like, I decided I didn't want it and I'm at six months. That's fucking insane. Absolutely insane. 99% of the fucking population is against that, okay? If you get to that point, Adoption is your only option, baby. That's it. Instead of working to get outlaw that and then move to whatever the next thing is and the next thing until they run out of things and we have some kind of rational situation here, they've just been like, abortion on demand is bad. Life starts at conception. Praise be to Jesus. And you're like, oh, you've done nothing. You've done nothing. You've raised a bunch of money for candidates, for political candidates, and you've done nothing. And so people reject it because their messaging is fucking terrible. It's gross. It's stupid. It makes no sense. But here we are. So across the board, on the ballot, all across the country, abortion wins. MAGA loses, abortion wins. That's that's two of the big stories from the night. Now, I've said enough about that. I've, if you're pro-life out there, guys, if you're, I didn't know there's a lot of pro-lifers out there listening to the show. Think about that. Pick your battles, guys. I mean, there's some things that we can get on board with you guys. As pro-choice folks, right? I'm speaking for those of us who are in that category that I'm, I spoke of. We can get with you on some things, but you've got to pick your battles. And we can find some overlap, but you've got to be interested in doing that. We're not here to do the whole, like, all-or-nothing bullshit with you guys. It's a waste of time, it's a waste of effort, it's a waste of money, it's a waste of people's energy, and it's it's unjust. And that's how we feel, and that's unlikely to change. So if you want to get on board with us and like try to find some things that we can work with together on, great. I can be in support of that. But you got to put your ego aside and put your religion down, put your Bibles down, and have a fucking grown-up conversation. But that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen for the life begins at the thought of conception to... You should be able to just drown your two-year-old if you don't want it. Like that's those are the people that get to make the opinions. I guess I don't know. It's a weird, weird time. But for the pro, I'm making a, a, an appeal 
to peace with the pro-life folks. Let's have some rational discussions if you want to have those discussions so we can get on the same page. If you want. Doesn't seem like you want to, but we're down. Okay, let's talk about fucking drugs, baby. Yes. Drugs win. Hey, guys, uh, you know that drugs are winning the drug war? Funny how that works, right? Funny how prohibition of things is ineffective. (laughs) Okay, got my element here. We're good to go. Pot prohibition continues collapsing in psychedelic bands. Could be next, baby. Two more states legalized recreational marijuana on Tuesday while decriminalization of five... Natural psychedelics looks like a winner in Colorado, barely by a couple of percentage points, but it looks like it's going to come through Prop 122, baby. All right, voters on Tuesday approve the legalization of recreational marijuana in Maryland and Missouri while rejecting similar measures in Arkansas, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Hmm, interesting. Meanwhile, voters in five Texas cities passed a ballot measure that bar local police from issuing citations or making arrests for low-level marijuana possession. That's fantastic. But the most striking election result for a drug policy reforms look, uh, looking beyond and on the ongoing collapse of the marijuana prohibition happened in Colorado, where a broad psychedelic decriminalization measure is winning by two points with 80% of votes counted. That's pretty accurate to what was happening just now. I just checked. Prior to yesterday's yesterday's elections, 37 states had approved marijuana for medical purpose, and 19 of them had also legalized recreational use. With Maryland and Missouri, that results that raised that latter number to 21. So we've got 21 states in the union who are, uh, pr- are who have legal recreational marijuana use. Still a Schedule One drug. Let's go. Let's go. Let's keep moving down. All right, so let's read about Prop 122 here. It says, while Texas lags behind on drug policy reform, Colorado seems to be uh, forging ahead. If its lead holds up, Colorado's Proposition 122 will eliminate civil and criminal penalties for a wide range of non-commercial conduct related to consumption of five natural psychedelics, psilocybin, psilocin, dimethyltryptamine, that's DMT, ibogaine, and mescaline. Uh... The measure allows adults 21 and older to produce, process, transport, obtain, or share those substances. The share one is really big too, right? Because if you think about that, as uh, someone who may or may not have facilitated uh, mushroom experiences in my life, the big part of that is the sharing piece. And the way you can do that is say, I'm charging someone for my time as a facilitator, right? And then numbers have to line up with that. And the psychedelic, the mushrooms in my case... Um, were shared. They were an option, and they always are an option, uh, but they are of no cost, right? If someone was to rent a day of my time without psychedelics, it would be the same price, right? That's where we're at, and that's really what it comes down to. And I love the idea of gifting psychedelics. Is one of the, it's actually a really beautiful thing. It's kind of like gifting wild game. It's a, like sharing the love, you know what I mean? It's really, uh, that, that's, that's the way to do it if you can. Um, like a groundbreaking initiative that Oregonians approved in 2020, Proposition 122 would eventually allow adults to obtain and consume psilocybin at state-licensed businesses. And that's not a dispensary. That's like a, thera- like a therapy, like a therapeutic center. 
Also, like Oregon's initiative, Prop 122 does not require that customers of those businesses have any particular medical or psychiatric diagnosis. I love that because people can go and just treat like mild depression or they're feeling like they're not really, you know, just like feeling a little funky. Not like you're like depressed, like have depression or like just you're just maybe you need to make a big decision. Maybe you're coping with some grief. Maybe, you know, you're going to make a life change. Maybe you're just feeling heavy and you, you want to go in and have that experience. You can go do that in a safe place with professionals. Um, it says Colorado's initiative covers a wider range of substances and content and conduct it is broader than any psychedelic reform enacted until now, pointing the way to less punitive, more tolerant drug policies that go beyond winding down the war on weed. I love the way it's articulated because at the end of the day, I'm kind of over the weed thing, right? Like it's like, yeah, weed's legal. I mean, we're whether whatever way you want to go about getting there, that's where we're at, Right. Now, I'm sure some people are listening to a place, from a place where it's not legal, and that's the thing. Sucks. Get it on the ballot. I don't know what to tell you. But everywhere that, like, I mean, even when I go to Texas, I just take weed, you know, if I, if I need it. You should take some, take some from my brother so he has a little bit of that good good, that dispensary weed. But now I'm looking at things that have what I consider a more profound and and lasting positive impact on society, which is psychedelic use for therapeutics. And in a wide variety of ways, I don't think you need to be a, a licensed therapist, right, to be able to do this. I think you may need some kind of some kind of accreditation to do psychedelic-assisted um, experiences, and it needs to be taken very seriously. These are not a joke. Ibogaine is 1,000% super fucking serious. That shit is not a joke at all. But psilocybin, DMT, different varieties of DMT. So they say, they say there's five psychedelics, but I'm assuming that NNDMT and 5-MeO-DMT are both considered dimethyltryptamine. So like, you know, um, that's really six. And then you, varieties of psilocybin strains, right? You're going to have different, it's just like, it's almost like weed in a way where the, there's different experiences associated with different types of, of psilocybin mushrooms. So there's a lot that can go on there, and this is going to be really, really interesting and, and provide people. And this is what I'm thinking even with, like, homeless folks, right? Like, getting a chance to maybe deal with some of that, like, lingering addiction shit. Like, Ibogaine is such a great reaction for people who have opioid addiction, right? Addicted to fentanyl or alcoholics even. Like, Ibogaine, you have to go to Mexico to use it, but the fact that people are going to be able to come to Colorado, go to a therapy center, get, a, get actual lasting addiction treatment, Especially when they're desperate. I mean, that's the thing too is when you're desperate and you feel like you're going to die if you don't fix your shit, you should be able to try some things out, you know? And I began for that is just going to be a, a beautiful tool. I think being able to go get your yearly check-in uh, uh, with your big mushroom experience <laughs> once, you know, at, at a place where you feel safe and looked over and um, I think that's going to be great. I think that's going to be beautiful. Um, I think going to be able to do, go, you know, do 5-MeO-DMT in the same environment, right? Like these... And in DMT, I think is more of a. It's not recreational, but it it's kind of is recreational, where you're just like in a in a in a house of mirrors of fractal mirrors with beings. Like that's what DMT feels like to me. <laughs> in DMT, anyways, five meo I haven't done, but I'm gonna do it soon, and I'll give you guys a little bit of a breakdown on that. But this is gonna be a really beautiful thing. This is this is this gets me excited. This has me thinking about the future in Colorado. Is like something really amazing. I think that they've been really forward thinking and, and set the stage for whether it be marijuana legalization and psychedelic legalization here. I mean, they, de they decriminalized mushrooms in Denver um, 
couple years ago. I mean, we're moving in that direction, and this is just I think this is going to be great. Uh, and I'm like I said, I'm I'm moving. I'm kind of moved on from the weed thing. I felt the weed thing is settled. It's just like the lingering kind of drag of of change uh, is happening there. But I'm really more focused on on psychedelics, um, what they can do, how they can how they can be used, how the regulation is going to be done, um, how it's going to go at scale, and and really keeping a keeping an eye on what's going to happen going forward. I mean, mushrooms have changed my fucking life. I've probably smoked an NDMT 40 times, 30, 40, 50 times, somewhere, I don't know, somewhere in there. We usually do it twice or three times in a row. So if I'd like, and not, this isn't a flex, it's just like that's, I've just done it enough times where I can, I'm saying that to say that I know what that experience is like. Um, ayahuasca, a dozen or so, something like that, um, in four different ceremonies. Um, mushrooms, five grams or more, probably 10 times. Um, microdoses countless times, LSD full doses, I don't know, half a dozen times microdosing literally right now. So it's like these things have had actually had a profound impact on my relationship with my family. Like my mother and I hated each other, like legit hated each other. And the reason I was able to kind of meet her where she was and kind of rebuild our relationship was because of mushrooms and ayahuasca, like 1000% was able to like, muster some compassion in a place that I'd never been able to do it before. Um, I mean, in ayahuasca, like God damn, that shit has, has fundamentally shifted who I am as a person in a positive direction. Like if you ever just feel like you had like a heaviness around you that you need to let go of and you maybe don't even know it's there. Maybe you've gotten so accustomed to carrying that bullshit that it's just who you are now. But, um, God, ayahuasca will have you recognizing that shit real quick. It's God damn. It's beautiful. I'm just excited. I'm excited for this is, this is just I, like, it makes me want to open a fucking retreat center. <laughs> That's what it makes me want to do. It's just like so fucking great. I can't wait. But anyways, I'm rambling. I'm no, I'm just one of those days, guys. We were up late last night. We're doing the thing, trying to keep up with everything going on and finding out what matters, but uh, we'll see. This was makes me a liberal y'all. Shit like this. Republicans would never do something like this. But here we are. Now it's time for me to give you something to think about. Hang on for a minute. Let me take a breath. And we'll go. All right elections what to think about with elections there's been this trend lately in the last few years four years six years maybe since the obama administration maybe maybe it was like this before i don't fucking know but it feels more and more that people are fans of politicians and fans of political parties in the same way they are Kansas City Chief fans or Green Bay Packer fans or Dallas Cowboy fans or USC fans or Florida fans. They treat these things like you have your standout stars, your quarterbacks, right, that lead these parties. And those are treated like the quarterbacks of a fucking football team. And no matter what, 
no matter how bad they do, you kind of stick with them, right? You're treating these politicians, like these political parties, groups of politicians, whether or not you want to pretend they're politicians or not, by the time they're there, they're fucking politicians, baby. They're being treated like a sports team. And that, in my opinion, is not the way to go about it. I don't think you should be a fan of a politician, any politician. Politicians don't need fans. You should not be a fan of Donald Trump or AOC or Dan Crenshaw or Joe Biden or any of these other fuckers, right? What it does is dilute your thinking and invites in confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is a driver of human behavior. It is essential for us to be who we are. For us to have developed and become as advanced of a species as we are, we need a confirmation bias. It's a part of who all of us are. It's not a it's not a dig, it's not a knock. You've got it. I've got it. The best we can do is be conscious of it. And when we look at that, why would we then do a thing around politics? That allows us to invite in confirmation bias with no friction because it conforms to our already existing beliefs. And then we have a cycle. We have a feedback cycle of fuckery. And that's not good. So I think a better way of going about it, no matter how much you love a politician, no matter how much you think they're, they're, they're going to do the thing that changes everything, they're going to write the ship. The best thing you can do is be critical, critically hopeful. The best thing you can do is be critically hopeful and supportive. Critically hopeful and supportive, if you just go into it with that, say, I don't know a fan of this person, this guy, this lady. I'm critically hopeful. That means I'm gonna, I'm, I want them. I, I think they might. They could do some really great things, but I'm critically hopeful. I'm critical, and just telling yourself that might make it a little bit more true, right? Because it changes the dynamic within your mind and the way you see a thing. It changes your perception of a person or of a situation, of a reality. I'm hopeful because I want to stay positive about this. I really do. I want to put that, I want to put good vibes into the universe, right? (laughs) But I'm critical as well because I'm a human being, and that person is a human being, and I know they're not infallible, right? They're a very fallible person. They can do, they can be bought. Like anybody, they can be manipulated. They could have manipulated me. Maybe that's what happened. And if you ask yourself those questions and set the frame, right? Set the frame for your political support as something that's critically hopeful, not unfiltered support. Well, then you've got something you can do, right? Then you've got an out. Then you've got a little wiggle room. Then you've got a little bit of a healthy amount of doubt when it comes to what a human being can do, which I think personally is way healthier. But if nothing else, it's something to think about. Guys, thank you for being here. I know this is a little bit rambly. Whoa, wrong button, dude. Jeez, come on. A little bit rambly. But, you know... Sometimes it's going to be that way. Hope you guys have a good time. What a weird night. Midterms are done. 2024 coming up soon. <laughs> Keep your head on straight out there. More now more than ever. Critically hopeful.
Love you guys. Bye-bye.